just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> What are you going to do after today to make a difference? To stand for what I believe in. To provide a brief moment of levity. Yes. I'm going to cook healthy food. Be a good friend to everyone. Stand up for what's right. Start doing more volunteer work. People here in the United States make sure they feel safe and welcome. Donate to Planned Parenthood. Keep on fighting for it. Keep on fighting for women's rights. Yes. Look around and you find all the things that you love about random people. Be thankful for everything that I have. You know what? I'm going to do things for me and not yeah, for whatever people want women to be or whatever people want whatever to be. Make sure that everyone knows they feel the same. I'm going to try and talk to people who voted for Trump and try and understand. Get my kids involved. I'm going to try to keep being the best person I can be. I'm going to try to organize. Not accept bigotry. Stay positive and know that we can make a difference. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters all around the world. Welcome to our latest edition of the Rob and Callie Show. I'm Callie Alpert, actually calling in from New Jersey across the river from where Rob and Sam are in New York City at Ground Zero of talkradio.nyc. Good evening, Robbie. What's up, Callie Alpert? How's Jersey? (laughs) Jersey was very dark. Um, I was... Um, I was sitting in darkness. We had a sudden power outage, which is what sort of waylaid my plans to come into the city and join you guys tonight. Right. Um, and <laughs> we had a so we had a power outage, and I was kind of getting used to it and lighting the candles and trying to dig out flashlights and my Burning Man lanterns and whatever I had um, around the house. And then I got so kind of in the mode that I didn't realize that the power had gone back on like about an hour later until I heard um, somebody that works in my building out in the hallway and opened up my front door and realized all the lights were on in the hallway. Oh, there you go. Um, So I'm sorry I'm not there with you, um, but I am there in spirit, and I'm proud as the female representative of the Robin Kelly Show to be opening the show and to... Um, number one, to speak to that beautiful montage that you put together and open the show with, which is your um, a representation of your experience in New York City at the march this past weekend. Um, I was in Washington, D.C., which uh, was a very, very beautiful and powerful experience. And tonight we are devoting our show to... Um, what happens after the march, what actions we are all going to take or hope to take now that we have marched. And uh, we are sort of referring to this as another kind of march madness. So how are you feeling after the march as our male representative and male participant? It certainly wasn't a female-centric experience, which was really beautiful to see, right? Yeah, well, I just want to tell you that I love women and I love them even more (laughs) after that march. Like I was just falling in love with women all over again, being at that march and seeing all the women power, the female power, the pussy power. It was so incredibly (laughs) awesome. And then I have to say, I really thought it was great how the men were so supportive of the women and their daughters and their sons and the mothers and just everybody was there. It was just fantastic. And the energy was absolutely incredible in the city. I'm guessing it was the same way in DC. Um, I just, you know, I've been like, I'm still calming down from the whole thing. I mean, it's, it was just incredible. It was very powerful. I was actually, you know, I had been debating whether I was going to go. I, I knew in my inner revolutionary self because, um, that I, I really wanted to be there. But for a variety of reasons, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. And then work brought me to Virginia, um, the suburbs of D.C., uh, for the five days leading up to last weekend. And so I knew that I was putting, I was being placed in that vicinity, you know, um, by powers bigger than myself, and there's no way that I could not be a part of it. Yeah. And it was... Um, I'm still trying to find the words. I'm still reeling from it. You know, I... Uh, was already pr- pretty raw from a so long work week, and obviously the whole experience there. So Friday night, I was driving into DC to stay with my very close friends that I stay with down there, 
and I was lucky that I had, you know, a place to stay that was within, within reasonable walking distance of where all the festivities were going to take place. Right. And as I was driving in, I thought, wow, I was here for um, Bush's inauguration to protest it. I was there for Obama's inauguration. I was there for his reelection, And then, obviously, for this weekend. I hadn't really consciously thought about that because I don't really call myself an activist. I don't consider myself much of an activist. But there's an ideology inside of me that's very passionate during these more kind of um, climactic events in history that I like to be a part of. And so... It was just just to be on the way, um, driving in, you know, at sunset on Friday night, knowing what was about to happen over the weekend was in and of itself very moving. And I was caught in the traffic and the closed roads and, you know, trying to get somebody that would even drive me, a taxi that would actually bother to even take me into um, downtown D.C. So even before it started, I was, you know, already feeling pretty uh, charged up about it. Um what about you? Did you plan to go, or what What was the final decision for you? Yeah, so what happened was my plan was I wanted to go, and, you know, during the election, I got a little frustrated and sort of with everyone just bitching and whining about our whole election process, and the question I kept saying was, well, what are you going to do about it? All right, so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't like it. What are you going to do about it? So my goal was to go to the march and not only support women and men and just everyone who was there, but I also wanted to um, I wanted to ask people, what are you going to do after today to make a difference? It's great that you're marching, but what are you going to do after today to make a difference? And so that's pretty much what I did. I talked to a lot of people and got them, you know, recorded them and just wanted to share a lot of their answers because they were just fantastic. Yeah, I uh, also, same thing, I really, I wanted to go, but part of my reticence to going was, besides big crowds and just, you know, old age, (laughs) you know, when you get a little bit, like a little bit, um, you know, your your parameters for participating, these things sort of change in my, you know, the the part of me that's a little prudent about being in big crowds or, um, but a little bit of it had to do with just that, which was, what is this going to accomplish? How organized is it? Mm. And... Uh, as much as I love being a part of anything that shows solidarity and tribalism and a common goal and just the energy of people expressing their passion in a way that's positive and peaceful mm-hmm. is something I always like to be a part of. So that ultimately, you know, is not a big self, uh, big push for me, a big sell for me. Or Callie, it doesn't need to be a big sell for me, I should say. Yeah, Callie, um, you were like, you know, yeah, maybe I, I can just watch it. What will this accomplish? And is it going to be organized? And is it just going to be a bunch of people that need to get out their frustration and their anger and need a collective place to do it. And, um, you know, as the days got closer to um, the organization of it, I saw that there actually was a plan and speakers and a, um, a march and, you know, that there was a an actual kind of cohesive mission. Um, and so as we were on Saturday morning, as I was leaving with my two male friends, actually, that, um, you know, came with me, um, you know, they live about a 35, 40-minute walk from where everything was happening. And so we left um, in the morning, and as it happened for the Obama um, inauguration, you know, as we were walking closer and closer, you see people starting to pour out of their doorways, and you see people with their posters, but it was still very much, you know, several miles away from where everything was, so really on the periphery, and it was kind of neat to just see the slow snow um, uh, snowball effect as we got closer, you know. Um, and just to know that it was kind of ground zero for this, like just the epicenter of where this was going to be going on around the planet simultaneously. I and mean, that's a very powerful thing. This wasn't just some marginalized group of people that were ornery and, you know, and frustrated and angry about what's going on in the country, but this was a, you know, a huge contingent of society. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to be a part of that and then to learn that I think almost everyone I I know, and I, I don't want to sound like, um, I'm not even the most extreme lefty, you know, and I know we don't talk about politics on the show that much because I often feel like I'm not that well suited to do so. Um, but I really am hard pressed to find anybody that I know in my circles who didn't participate in some march over the weekend, regardless of where they lived in the country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I felt like I was just witnessing so much humanity. You know, I was overwhelmed a little and touched and just thought it was so awesome to see so much humanity between people. And, um, you know, I heard there was no violence in any of the marches. And I was watching uh, Seth Meyers and he said there was an article in the Washington Post after the march where the only altercation that happened apparently was a Trump supporter walking through the march in D.C. And they said to the marchers there, yeah, if you had a job, you wouldn't be out here making a mess. And someone looked at them and said, bitch, it's Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) so i thought i thought that was so funny but again i think for me it was like there was so much love and peace and passion and activism you know just people being so active and for me before i even left the apartment i was thinking about my mother marching on washington for civil rights and it just brought me back to that and i just felt so great to carry on a tradition in our family of marching for what we believe in in joining forces with other people to speak out and and just you know offer positive energy to the cause and the movement and um it happened i mean as i was on the train i thought i'd start recording people once i got there and even on the train i started to record people because people had signs already and you could feel the energy already before i even got to grand central which is actually where i landed and um when i got to grand central station i couldn't even walk down to the original plaza where people had started because there were so many people there the line the the march wasn't even moving it was incredible and so I just kind of hung outside Grand Central and started talking to people. And Callie, I forgot to tell you this. The, the funniest thing is, as I was interviewing, like, I don't know, the 20th person or whatever, Chuck Schumer goes walking right past me. And it happened so quickly that I didn't even think I should stop and ask him what he's going to do after that day to make a difference, you know? <laughs> yes, he's certainly got his work cut out for him. And I, yeah, so like, there's so much I could say. Um Oh, I don't even know where to begin. I um, I was crying before we... I think I was probably crying at the television set at 7.30 in the morning before we even left the house because, you know, the the hippie, free spirit, 60s, you know, person who never really lived the 60s because I was a little too young is always very, very deeply touched by acts of humanity and acts of collective humanity uh, where people show a sense of inclusion and tenderness in large groups of people. Well, anybody individually or collectively always touches me, but when it's in large groups of people, it always really, really um, moves me. And so I was crying just walking out on the streets before we even got there. And, you know, it's funny you talk about um, uh, Charles Schumer because we were, uh, I was intent on not getting um, shoehorned into some like sardine can somewhere. And obviously it was very crowded. It was hundreds of thousands of people and and predictably a much bigger turnout than I think anybody had expected. And so we were a few blocks away from where the stage and the jumbotron were um, the chosen, uh, you know, the participants and the speakers were actually on the stage. So we we, we stand on the periphery, um, and, and there were separate sort of marches going on because it was just all the streets were closed off, so Pennsylvania Avenue, Constitution Avenue, all the main thoroughfares in Washington, D.C., even though they weren't the ones devoted to the march, were just the... Um, just kind of the receptacles to everybody that, you know, couldn't fit into the streets where the, you know, the main um, activity is going on. And so periodically you hear people coming and chanting something, you know, a little mini group would be marching by and whatever their little chant or mantra was. Then you'd hear kind of big waves of applause and people yelping and cheering for nothing particular except to just sort of make everybody feel empowered and, you know, collective and then every once in a while you hear this huge round of applause and it ends up that john Kerry was creating his own little mini march in the vicinity where we were sitting (laughs) which is sort of parading around so it was kind of funny i guess people were just whatever they could do to um to participate yeah callie we're gonna go to break so i want to hear the rest of this after we come back from break all right yes Okay, so we're going to go to break. If you guys want to call in, the number is 877-480-4120. We'll be right back. What are you going to do after today to make a difference? Love. Spread the love. Become a citizen and vote in the next election. 
create more art. Advocacy. Join other women, stay in contact. Vote and keep talking. Keep participating in democracy. Keep moving forward, you know? Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show, and tonight we're talking about the march, another kind of march madness. We are here in the talkradio.myc studios. My co-host, Callie Alpert, is here. What's up, Callie? I'm in New Jersey. New Jersey in the house. I'm so sorry that I can't be with you in the studio tonight, thanks to extraneous circumstances like my power, power, power outage. <laughs> it's all right. You are here in spirit, and it's so good that we got you on the phone. And so you were going to continue your story about your experience with the march in D.C. Yeah, well, you talked to, you know, I, I, I definitely am also the journalist in me was taking a lot of uh, photographs. And I also talked to a lot of people. I, you know, just frankly, because I've been um, spread pretty thin logistically and with work, I haven't had the luxury of being able to sit and um, put together any sort of uh, edited versions of the interviews that I did, um, like you did, and those are really, really beautiful bites that you've collected. Um, and I also have a few, which hopefully maybe we'll be able to put up either on our site or on um, talkradio.nyc. Uh, we'll figure out a place for everything. But I started to interview people, even in the like lines for the porta johns and <laughs> you know, I started asking people the same types of questions. I, w- I was, I was extremely moved by the uh, range of age and I learned from everyone I've talked to that that seems to have been the norm at at least the marches that I'm aware of and so you know there were a lot of a lot of men which I I, am I'm so grateful for because somehow maybe it was ignorant of me but I just assumed I didn't hope but I assumed it would be more women Um, and so it was very very equally balanced and then there were also a lot of families with young kids, especially, you know, I saw a lot of women like generations where it was just like the, you know, an old, um, like a grandmother, you know, in 70s, 80s with her daughter in her 40s, 50s, and then her younger daughter. Um, I saw a lot of people just with their little children. I saw a lot of older people marching that, you know, had protested in, you know, the 60s that had that sort of activist blood in them. And mm-hmm. that was probably one of the most standout things to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really amazed at the different ages and all the different people, just so many different kinds of people, whether it was families, single people, groups, you know, um, it was just incredible. And um, the thing, like, I remember even before I left my apartment complex, I was walking through to go to the station and I bumped into a family and it was a father with, I think, three daughters and their mother. And I stopped them and they were my first interview. And the girls were young. I think they were in junior high or high school, and they had signs and everything. And um, the father was just very strong, and he's like, "We're going to fight, and we're going to keep fighting, and we're going to organize locally." And he, and it just it was so great to see him just be so strong like that, and and just be a power of example to his daughters. Like, yeah, you can just exactly march for what you believe in and say what you believe in. And uh, and then when I got there, I mean, it was just incredible just to see, again, just the energy there. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And it was so intense and so incredible. It was like a spiritual experience being there, just the buzz in the air and the positivity. Again, I just want to say there was no violence at any of these marches. That's incredible. I mean, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be proud of all of us just in the sense that we were marching and, and expressing different things. You know, people were there supporting lots of different things. But in general, we were talking about love. And out of all the signs I saw, and there were some great signs that I'll get to, but out of all the signs that I loved, it's the one that says love trumps hate. I just really like that sign. And, and I, that's how I live my life. You know, and I think a lot of people were living their life that day at the march in that way. Yeah, as I think about like where we want to go with the show and just sort of beyond our debriefs and just kind of sharing with people what our experiences were, you know, to move to the next level, which is like, what do we learn from all this and then what do we do with it? You know, um, you know, one of the other things that I witnessed was our democracy at its at its best. So while, again, it's really nice to meet among your tribe. Well, here's a few things. First of all, I was in Washington, D.C. on inaugural weekend. So on on Friday was the inauguration. And on Saturday was the um, protests. 
So you had people like in the hotels, you know, around where I was staying out in Virginia that were coming for both reasons. And I remember walking intentionally up to like the bar of my hotel on, uh, I guess it was Thursday night when I was done working before I left on Friday, just to sort of take in the vibe and kind of take a look at people and, um, you know, kind of gauge who is there for what. And you could see that there were both, I hate to even say factions, but people that were supporting both events coexisting, <laughs> maybe separately, but living, you know, but in the same hotel. Right. And then, you know, you go to these marches where, um, and, and again, this is a, I'm, I'm always somebody who's seeking out like-mindedness and tribes, so I'm probably super sensitive about this and appreciative when it happens in small and big ways. But to be a part of a solidarity where you know that, yes, it was, well, let me back up for a second. On Friday during the inauguration, there was a little bit of anarchy in the streets of D.C., and there were a few really uncool things that happened. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but there were a few outbursts where there was like a fire started and a limousine, some guy that was just an independent car driver, and there may have been one or two other things. Nobody knows Nobody knows who claimed it. Um, you know, I'm not happy to hear those stories. I don't think that's cool. That's not who I want rep- representing my mindset, even if, you know, I might be against one thing. It's not the way I would um, try to express my, you know, my aversion to politics or presidents or whatever. Um, and, but then when we were there on Saturday, um, so obviously we went through the whole day, and then we walked over to a very new, uh, reasonably newly opened beautiful Trump Hotel right in downtown D.C. that's a converted, um, I think, a post office, if not a bank, a historic building. We walked over there because we thought it would be interesting and curious. The whole place was cordoned off. Only if you were staying there were you allowed in. You know, we're like, if we wanted to go spend $100 on the cup of tea, would they let us in? Which they wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we stood outside, and a lot of protesters came over. And then a few very brave... Um, people that had were obviously had been there the night before for the inauguration and were not there for the marches that had that you know just had a certain a certain look and a certain presentation and then their trump hats and their whatever that made it clear that they weren't you know that they weren't the same as the participants in the march we're we're standing right where the um protesters were and i got a few photographs maybe we could put them up on our site or somewhere i don't know of like a couple of protesters right next to this one particular couple that were trump supporters right next to a guy who was dressed in a putin outfit with like horse between his legs riding his horse which is pretty funny and a putin mask and it was and it was so telling and why you know, no, nobody, nothing happened, and um, uh, pe- both people, both parties were expressing their their presence there, and it was a great show of democracy. I mean, that's what yeah. this country is, right? Yeah. So while a lot of people might be impassioned about what's going on, it's also nice to remember that um, we're all able to coexist in the same three feet with very, very differing views. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, you know, I, I just want to, you know, say that I hope Trump does some good. You know, I'm trying to be open minded and I hope he, he does some good. That being said, um, you know, I I thought a lot of the people there expressed their opinions in really creative ways. And a lot of them disagree with a lot of things he, he says or does. Um, one of my favorite signs said free Melania. Yeah. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and then another sign I saw in a picture, and it was a kid that had a sign. He's a little kid, like five years old, and it says, I love trains. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone is expressing their likes and dislikes <laughs> and whatever they were there supporting, you know? So I, I thought that was great. For me, I just thought, again, it was a great reminder about the power of a group of people coming together. And if you forget about the fact that it was a march about certain specifics and you look at the general feeling of that day and the general vibe of it all, it was just an incredible energy with so many people coming together and being active. And um, I think that's one of the things that we want to talk about tonight is that now that the march is over, people can still be active. You know, there's a way to have an effect and there's a way to make a difference like I was asking people, you know, we want people to stay involved, not just get caught up in this one march. And and again, I think we're all still calming down from the march, just processing it. At the end of the day, my phone went dead and I stopped into a hotel to charge it. 
and I was just watching the coverage. And I mean, to see in other countries that millions of people were marching, it was just incredible. I, I, I really didn't expect it to go that global. And I think there's something to be said and it may sound corny, but there's something to be said about the power of love. You know, you know, when when love really wants to take action, it takes action. You know, when the universe wants to take action and move millions of people all around the world, that's what's going to happen. What that effect will have on on the future, we don't know yet. But I think that it was just fantastic that people had the courage and the passion and the focus and the love to actually express what they believe in. Uh, well, yes. Amen to the um, to the power of love, both philosophically and uh, electromagnetically. I don't know if that's the right term. Sam might be able to, to correct me there. But energetically and vibrationally, um, the power of love has a lot of momentum, and it's a high vibration emotion, way more so than fear is, yeah. which a lot of people would say is, um, at least on paper, what going, what's governing us now. And, you know, just as a side note, um, you know, Greg Braden, who is a writer and I think pre, like I've mentioned him on the show, uh, probably a former engineer, I believe something very, and, and scientist who has been, um, very involved in a lot of studies that have to do with the power of like heart energy and when a group of people actually start feeling the same way from a place of love or positive emotions, what it can do to technically move a needle. Like it's there, there are, I might not be doing it justice, but there are actual proven um, studies and like quanti- quantitative research on that. So for anybody who's interested, it's, it's not just airy fairy stuff. There actually is some gravitas to that. Um, yeah, no, that's a really good point, Callie. And it's also like it remi- we're coming up on break. So it reminds me also about the power of meditation. When I meditate with someone else or with a group, it's a more powerful meditation a lot of times. So with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. What are you going to do after today to make a difference? We're going to organize locally, and we're going to fight and resist. I'm going to try to stay sane by following reliable news sources. I'm going to continue supporting women, equal rights, um, all different groups, especially immigration. I'm going to keep teaching my students to, I don't know, to be a revolution. Uh, a lot. Okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of my favorite answers of the whole day. It was this kid who literally was like four years old. And he, I was with his parents and I said to him, and his father's very strong, opinionated and everything, you know, and the mother as well. And then I looked at him and I said, so what are you going to do after day to make a difference? And he goes, um, a lot. And I was like, that's a great way to end it. So just so funny. Welcome back to the Robin Kelly show tonight. We're talking about another kind of March madness, which was the marches that happened all around the world. Callie, during the break, Sam reminded me maybe to talk about the genesis of this whole March activism that happened where it started with a woman in Hawaii posting on Facebook and from there it rippled out to the rest of the world to where millions of people were marching all around the globe. It's just incredible, isn't it? I actually, you know what, I don't know that story, and not to negate what Sam is saying, but I had read and learned that the that there was a million woman march that was slated to happen, at least in DC before the elections, regardless of what the outcome was. Oh, okay. So I'm not I'm actually not familiar with that, but regardless So we're not a reliable said, news source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Who's got the fake news? Me or Sam? Who's got the alternative news tonight? <laughs> Um, since that's the that's the new catchphrase that we're going to have to be dealing with for a while um that no other yeah that no alternative facts <laughs> um but uh but regardless it yes the fact that it it always starts from a seed or from a group of people that decide to you know come together and put something like this together and then um the fact that so many people resonated i mean there were marches in buenos aires in the UK, in Nairobi, you know, in all different parts of the world, the fact that people are connecting. This is the other thing that is, is really warrants noting is that this is not, you know, you, we could argue about 
the populist vote and the turnout, you know, and and who really won the election or the electoral vote college versus is, is it antiquated and all these kinds of things. Um, but the point is, is that this is not a minority of people. This is not some little ancillary group of people that just won't go quietly. This is a majority of people on the planet based on, um, or at least 50% if I'm going to be really conservative with my statement. It's not the majority um, of people that have this issue, <laughs> you know, this kind of um, this desire to make sure that things get protected and that things change and that um, a lot of things don't get undone of the last um, eight years. So, you know, with that, I think that maybe it would be really important to talk about what we're going to do. Um, you know, I've been kind of, I've been reading a lot. I've been watching the videos that I wasn't privy to seeing in person because of the crowds in D.C. I watched on YouTube the videos that some of the speakers, including Madonna and Gloria Steinem and Michael Moore and uh, America Ferrara, Ferrara, I'm sorry, I mispronounced her last name, and um, Scarlett Johansson and Ashley Judd all did very, very beautiful and passionate speeches in D.C. And, you know, again, the big question is, uh, what do we do now that the energy is fresh in the air? How do we galvanize this? And um, I posted today on Facebook something that I'd read by a Democratic, uh, I believe, senator in Oregon who said um, that Trump is the cure because he's bringing people together. Yeah. So yeah. whether it's reactive, um, you know, defensive or offensive, the point is, okay, now how do we take all of this talk and this gab that even you and I have devoted the last 30 minutes to and make it more palpable and, and turn it into action? You want to go first? Yeah, well, I think the first thing we're doing is a show. You know, when I was walking through the crowds, I had one guy who, after he answered me, he goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to keep doing my podcast and spreading positive vibes, you know? So it's like we're doing this show to help ignite ideas in people and be a catalyst for them to maybe have some new thoughts and feelings about what they can do to take action and make a difference. So I think the show is a place to start. The other thing is, you know, wherever I go, I'm talking to like-minded people about how we can affect change. It's like you said, you know, this has happened. It's reality. What are we going to do about it now? And it, it's almost like a wake-up call for people that were sleepwalking through the election or maybe the democratic process, maybe taking certain things for granted, not getting involved. Maybe they're like, oh, shit, I got to do something. So I think that and it's like once I calm down from being upset that I didn't get my way and my candidate didn't win, it's almost like, OK, what can I do with the energy to sort of unite with other people and maybe start new meetup groups or just talk about different ways to go online and get out messages about voter discrimination or ways that people can register to vote easier? You know, I met a woman at the march who works for a website or an organization, I forgot, in the city where anyone can go and get an ID, even if they're not a, a legal immigrant, they can go and get an ID. I didn't even know about that. So when, you know, it's almost like, you know, two heads are better than one, a million heads are better than one. It's like all these people, can, and a million hearts are better than one. I love what you say, Callie, before about heart energy. And when you connect with other hearts where people are coming from a really pure place of trying to do some good just incredible things can happen to affect change yes so to that point here's a few things that i can offer that i'm going to try to do um you know i think that there's micro things and i think there's macro things and i think that people have to just sort of get in touch with what it is that they what most resonates what's most them what's most fitting for their personalities i think that Number one, I mean, even uh, when I, I talked to and, and uh, communicated with a lot of friends that were either en route to D.C. or me leaving D.C., but on every airplane, on every train, on buses that rode through the middle of the night, uh, there were so many people, and these, I guess this is more predominantly women, although I, I do think that this is a collective thing, so I don't want to exclude um, men. But uh, I think that uh, there's been a lot of conversations about women showing solidarity with each other because traditionally 
there's a lot of stereotypes about women competing with each other and not supporting each other. And if we can't do that amongst our own gender and our own sort of, um, you know, collective group, then how can we possibly galvanize to be a force in the, in the greater world? So I would offer that. I mean, I, you know, I tend to, I love my, I love my girls and I love my sisters and I try to stay away from those spaces of adversarial energy and jealousy or competition. It's really not my bag as much as I'm sure me, like everybody else has been guilty of it once, you know, along the way. But I'm going to try to be more mindful of that. And I found myself even on the train coming up here looking at people differently in the eye and sort of communing in a different way just to remember, number one, that we're all humans and that we need to show a sense of inclusion and solidarity just as people in our everyday lives. And since that's probably more of my style, that's one thing I'm going to try to continue and and get better at, which is just to be really super present in my exchanges with people. Uh, whoever it is, in terms of acceptance and inclusion and moments where you can extend yourself versus ignore somebody, um, whether it's someone in need, whether it's someone who's different from me, whether it's someone who might make me uncomfortable, whether it's someone from an opposing opinion that I want to um, try to be more understanding of. I mean, that's something that I'm going to try to focus on more on a just on a micro everyday level because I'd like to think that that ripples out and that everything really starts with us as individuals. Yeah, 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 definitely. That sounds great. I'm going to keep treating everyone the same. And what I mean by that is the way that I live my life is I treat the CEO like the guy who sweeps the floor. Like I treat everybody the same. And I really like that about myself. It's something I've learned in life. I think it's just part of who I am. You know, I just see us all as equal. And uh, so I'm going to keep doing that and I'm going to keep helping clients learn to do that and and sort of come from that place um, of equality. And um, another thing I'm going to do is I'm, you know, one of the things that I was really impressed with at the march was um, the parents teaching children and also the teachers that I talked to. My mom was a teacher, and I love teachers. I think they work their asses off. They do so much in the educational system, and they work really hard. And they, they a lot of them are really trying to help the youth learn and become really great men and women. And so um, I'm going to try and, and continue to teach, whether it's my clients, whether it's people I talk to. I'm going to teach them about how to overcome hate and get to love or at least at least get to some peace about it. Um, and I'm going to continue to speak out. You know, I've always stood up to bullies. I mean, usually, you know, there are parts of my life where I didn't and, you know, I was afraid to. And then I learned to that's when you have to stand up even more. And so I'm going to continue to stand up when I see someone being abused or neglected or left behind or someone who doesn't feel like they can use their voice. Another thing that I do with clients is I really try and help them find their voice and use it because it's so important. It's so important for all of us to express ourselves. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to do something else I forgot about, but Callie, you go ahead. Maybe I'll remember it. (laughs) I'm sure you remember. Um, So yes, one of the other things that I feel really strongly about, and I need to hear myself say this because I'm trying to walk my own talk is to make space for the other side, the other side of the aisle, the people that um, often I get triggered by, that I often get shut down by because the views are so differing or their support of a particular uh, political candidate is a huge affront to who I am. And I'm grappling with this because there's certain, you know, there's, there's a, I'm just I'm I'm truly just sort of thinking out loud right now. I don't have a well-formed thought about this, but <clears throat> it's it's almost like there's a part of me that feels like everything we're talking about means that people that are opposed to um our now elected, you know, pr- uh, president and what he represents means that we have to reactively galvanize to either undo that or confront it or take it over, not take it over, but to um, combat it or to represent the opposite side just so that there's equal representation. Then there's the part of me that feels like 
the divide is so thick and that the walls of um, the lack of communication is so wide and divided that it's up to us as individuals to try to mitigate that gap. And so that comes in the form of me talking to certain you know, friends or being open when I go out in public and not making assumptions about anybody and trying to approach conversations with a gentle heart and an open mind as long as I'm not being offended and affronted, because <laughs> that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, and having conversations with people that um, have very differing views than me, and just trying to than me, and just trying to find one little bit of space, one little crack open to maybe hear each other, even if it's for three seconds, just as a way to start shifting a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Callie, we're heading to break. So, what else are you going to say? I'll, t- I'll, I'll talk about it after the break. Okay, so but I just want to say that was my last point as well, or another point as well, is that I'm going to try and talk to Trump supporters, and like that girl said in, in one of the audios, you know, try and understand where they're coming from. You know, I had a date uh, a couple of weeks ago with a girl who's a big Trump supporter, and we had, you know, a dialogue. We had a discussion about politics in, in sort of a calm way just to understand each other's sides and, you know, where we're coming from. So I, too, am going to try and see if I can make use of some information that they give me and make use of that myself. So with that, we're going to go to our last break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show. Tonight we're talking about another kind of March Madness, the marches that happened around the world. Callie, I'm so glad we're doing this show just to sort of process and talk about our own experiences, maybe to offer some new ideas to people about what they can do to make a difference. I think it's really important. So good job tonight. <laughs> I, I um, One of the things I wanted to say, too, and this is when we were going to break that I was hinting at, is that I think... I did this after the election. It's still an ongoing process for me. It's sort of sitting with myself and figuring out where I sit with all this. And even after the march on Saturday, here I was, you know, feeling good and with my people and feeling empowered. And then I had a whole crash at the end of the day where my emotions went to the other place, to the dark place, to the reality of things. And so the the, the point of me saying that is that this is a process for everybody, and it's very individual as well as collective. And I feel like everybody, you know, one of the best things I could try to offer would be to sit quietly with yourself and figure out what your place in all of this world is, regardless of what side of the the aisle you're on, Um, and your version of your creativity and your voice and your place on this planet, because there's no right way. Not all of us are meant to march in the streets. Not all of us are meant to attend, you know, to run for local office or to attend our local town halls. Some of us might be uh, more inclined to continue to make art, you know, that touches people and represents a certain type of heart space or um, political space. You know, some of us are writers, some of us are musicians, like whatever it is that you feel like you can do, maybe with just a little bit more of a leaning toward making a difference and just sort of a cognizance of what you're doing to contribute could be it, you know, again, to, it doesn't mean that everybody's here to do something in the grand, you know, grandiose sort of way. Um, so, you know, with that, after the election, one of the things I did is I sat with myself and I thought, okay, what do I, what do I do? What do I do well? And what resonates for me? What can I really do? That's from my, an extension of who I am in a true way. And I remembered um, that I had a television show idea that I came up with about four years ago that spoke to the difference between people and sort of the political divide. And I dredged it out of the archives because I realized it was more timely and necessary now than ever. And I revamped it with the help of some very dear um, old colleagues that gave me a you know second and third pair of eyes and made it and contemporized it. And I'm now in the process of pitching pitching it around and, and trying to sell it. And the, the intention of it is a way of getting people to sort of creating a space where people can kind of listen to each other. And I feel like it represents and just sort of reflects who I am and what I am passionate about and what I do well. So that's just one example. You know, that's not me writing to my congressman and, uh, you know, taking whatever, um, you know, taking some huge big step to, uh, you know, to make a difference from, you know, or change legislation or something like that, but it's my way of doing it, you know? So I think it's very individual for people. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that the Tea Party movement started out where people were outraged just as Democrats are now, and then it grew into them taking a lot of congressional seats. So the Democrats could kind of learn from that and maybe, you know, activists could learn from what they did in order to replicate that for their own party. At the same time, like you said, it doesn't have to be all political. You know, it can be like the episode where we talked about kindness is not weakness. Maybe be kind to people tomorrow. When you go out into the day, be kind to someone. You know, if someone bumps into you, kind of let it pass. You know, in, in the city, a lot of times I was on the train today. It was raining and people are grumpy about it and getting into fights on the train because someone pushed into another person or, you know, they took the rail that they wanted to put their hand on or whatever. It's like, you know, sometimes it's good just to let things go as much as we can. And, you know, something that I do, you know, uh, I don't mean to keep referencing the audio, but I will. Um, the girl who said that, um, I don't know if it was in the audio that we heard, but um, she said she does this thing where she sits on the train and she tries to find out what she loves about different people on the train and just to appreciate them. And it's like, that's something that I do when I'm on the train and people get into a fight. I just start praying for them, you know, and for people that don't pray or, you know, they think that's really, you know, too spiritual. I just send them positive vibes, you know, like positive energy to calm down and, and try and not get into an argument or keep arguing. And amazingly, that seems to work a lot of times when people are in an altercation. Um, but even when I'm on the train, sometimes if I find myself really restless and when I get off, I got to get rushing to an appointment or audition or a client or something, I just start praying for everybody or I just start sending good vibes in the whole subway car that I'm in. And that has a difference on everybody there, whether they know it or not. So it could be something like that. You know, there again, there are so many different ways. I think the important thing is to do something and the important thing is to say something what well, reminds me well first of all i'm not gonna i won't go into all the details of what i was doing at noon on friday when i was keenly aware of the inaugurate you know the the swearing and actually happening but suffice to say that i was in the middle of a long work day and it was our lunch break and i went into a room i was working at a hospital interviewing doctors and i went into like a we happened to be in like the breastfeeding lactating office somehow that those are the rooms to go to test and i go into like this breastfeeding <laughs> room with all the paraphernalia and i shut the lights and i meditated and i prayed and i talked to donald trump's higher power and i did this whole <laughs> ritual right in that moment you know with the hope of sort of creating that kind of energy um but for those that might think that's a little too airy fairy we can ground it a little bit more and one, to your point about speaking up for people, so I have kind of a list that I'd like to go through that I think are some concrete, <coughs> excuse me, suggestions and things that I've just been reading online that people are offering and people, that what people are doing. Uh-huh. Um, and I had this experience even a few weeks ago, I might have talked about it on one of our shows, where uh, I was out with a friend, I was actually like at a karaoke bar, and a woman that came off the stage who had sang really nicely, and we were just like uh, clapping and um, celebrating, came up to us, and then she used a, uh, I, I, I made some suggestion about singing a Stevie Wonder song because of her voice, and she made a pejorative, she used a pejorative uh, comment about um, black people, and I called her out on it, and very politely, and she ranted at me, you take your liberal ass out of here, and to my friend, don't ever bring her back, and I was like, whoa, girl. So much for us being co-artists, you know. Right. But the point of me saying that is that I, I've been taught this since I was a very young child, and I practice it today, which is speak up for people that are being um, affronted, offended, mis- you know, misrepresented, mistreated in public. I, I've done it my entire life. If you hear something that doesn't suggest or reflect inclusion and respect for another human, regardless of the reason why, say something. You know, it might make one little difference. It might impact one person's thoughts when they go home that night. Um, But that's just one very concrete thing that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that woman who ranted at you was upset, but she because she got turned down to perform at Trump's inauguration. So I think that <laughs> that was her whole thing. She just you know was angry about that and taking it out on you. But you know, d- to bring it back though to what I said before about you know I've stood up to bullies my whole life. I mean, the first. I think one of the first real fist fights I ever got into when I was a kid was to stand up for a kid who was being bullied in my class, and the times in my life 
where I didn't stand up to a bully was when I was being bullied. And so I learned through that experience to stand up for myself and to say no. And when my gut told me, when my intuition told me there was something wrong and I need to say something, that's when I learned to do it the most. And so that's something that I try and help other people do now. If they're being bullied or intimidated or if they're in a situation that they, they is not good for them, you know, I try and help them find a way out to where they can have their own freedom to speak up and, and live the, the life that they want. So like you said, I think it's really important that we all keep speaking up and speaking out. Out and acting up and acting out and and taking action and you know again doing whatever we can you know there's there's so many different things we're, we're coming up on three minutes just to let you know Callie because you are remote tonight and uh, just you know to throw it out there if anybody wants to call in the number is 877-480-4120 so just to kind of round out the show Callie as far as Maybe our show, what can we tell people? Like, I know we did the uh, Real Interesting People series. We're thinking about a new series um, where we're going to sort of like have new guests on, but with a new theme. But maybe with our show, you know, we can just continue the good vibes going where we want to give people a place to where they can speak up. Well, so can I, can, can I go through like a quick laundry list of concrete suggestions? Sure. Okay, so here are some things people can do, and this is based on a variety of things that I've read. Um, You know, if it means contributing money to causes that you believe in, whether it's Planned Parenthood, ACLU, um, any health care causes, civil rights causes, immigrant causes, women's health issues, environmental causes, look up your favorite charity or organization and simply donate money. You know, there's people that um, are interested, you know, attend local town hall meetings, get involved in your local community. There's a lot of people that are starting to hold dinner parties and, you know, little salons where they're just trying to galvanize the energy in their local communities because those voices can be heard. You can listen to Michael Moore's speech that he did at the D it's on YouTube at the DC rallies where he gave very concrete phone numbers that people can call in order to impact your Congress, your local congressmen and senators about a variety of different issues. You can attend local town hall meetings. You can call your representatives and senators and express your opinions. I mean, they are working for us, but something that we all forget and in numbers, sometimes um, those, you know, that can really impact Um, run for local office. You know, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just kind of spewing these out because I know we have very little time. Um, The other thing is I read, you know, a teacher that, you know, find again in your own voice the way that works for you. I found a um, a teacher that was talking about how she's going to start helping um, impact her kids. And it has to do with, you know, just learning to have a conversation where you listen and take feedback and are very honest about your own biases about people. Look yourself in the mirror and realize you might have a prejudice and call yourself out on it befriend somebody who might be different from you. I mean, there's so many ways that we can, you know, attend local uh, meetings, your lo- you know, con- connect with your local council people. Yeah. You know, there's a variety of different things that we can do. Yeah, yeah. So all those are fantastic ideas. We're getting to the end of the show. I just want to add, go to meetup.com. It's a great way to meet up with like-minded people who have similar interests, want to take action the way you want to. And also, if you want to get involved in the election process, it's never been easier to help make phone calls right from your home. All you need is a phone and a computer or an app or whatever. You can make phone calls right there, calling people, reaching out to get their vote. And also keep calling people in Congress. Let's keep the action going there. So with that, this is the end of another episode of The Robin Callie Show. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, y'all.